mind that the Lord of all the earth would care to know my name, would care to feel my hurt. Who am I? Welcome to Who Am I? with Pastor Greg Tyra of Harvest Chapel in Williamsport, Indiana. We're glad you could join us as we teach through the Bible, chapter by chapter, verse by verse. Today's lesson is one in which we know you'll be enlightened to the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let's listen in to Pastor Greg as we launch today's lesson on Who Am I? Turn in your Bible with me to Genesis 24. Genesis 24, as we talked about, um, I'm going to do a little series, a three-part series on the Holy Spirit. If you'll remember with me, last week as we closed out the resurrection message, we see Jesus doing these cameo appearances on the road to Emmaus. And he's really getting the boys used to knowing that even if he's not there in bodily form, he has not left them nor forsaken them. He's there in spirit. And he had said in John 16, in the last night of his life, before they went out of lower Jerusalem, and he said, uh, if you love me, keep my commandments. And I will pray the Father, and he will send you another, the Comforter, and I'm paraphrasing, uh, who will be with you and in you. And so we want to talk about this because right now in our sanctification process, the Holy Spirit is washing and cleansing us. The Holy Spirit is supposed to be leading and guiding us. You and I are not supposed to be uh, regarding anything as flesh and blood anymore. It's all spiritual. We have a spiritual God, a spiritual kingdom, a spiritual life. We're in a spiritual war for our souls. And either we're going to be led by the Spirit, Romans 8, 14, as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the children of God. We're going to be led by the Spirit, washed and cleansed by the Spirit, sanctified by the Spirit, taught by the Spirit. The Spirit comforts us. He, he guides us. He convicts us. Listen to me. Or we can follow the Spirit of this age. You can follow the spirit of Antichrist, and you can follow the intellectualism uh, of this world and the truth of this world with earthly, sensual, demonic wisdom. If anyone has not the spirit of God, he is not God's. Listen, we're told in the Bible, and we're going to cover these verses better probably next week. But in Ephesians 1.13, when you believe that Jesus is Lord and God raised him from the dead, in Ephesians 1.13, it says you're sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. He comes in and seals you. It's the earnest money. It's the down payment until the purchase possession is, is come back and God gets us. In other words, you become betrothed as a bride to Christ. Expoused is the word that the King James uses, but I've never heard that word used in daily conversation. Betrothed or engaged is a better word. Now you're engaged to Christ. I know we say we're the bride of Christ. That's because in the Jewish culture, when you were betrothed, it was arranged by the fathers. It was arranged by the parents. They still do marriages like that in the East. They arrange them from birth. 
we know who was going to be chosen because God never learns anything. So he's already chosen you in eternity past because you chose him on the day that you chose to begin to follow him. So when the Spirit seals you, then the Spirit wants to begin to sanctify and cleanse you and wash you. But what do we do? We begin a life of walking with God. And the Bible tells us, and again, we'll cover these better next week, in 1 Thessalonians 5.19, that you can quench the Spirit. See, God's a consuming fire, and the Holy Spirit begins to teach you all truth and helps you to understand who you are and what truth is and what a lie is, and it burns out the dross. But you can quench that fire. You can stop listening. You can quench it, it says in 1 Thessalonians 5.19. You can grieve the Holy Spirit, Ephesians 4.30. You can, you can grieve Him uh, or distress Him. Uh, I, I, listen, it's, it's, it's related to the word in Genesis 6 where God relented that He ever made man. It's to grieve His heart, to make Him sorry. See, because when you begin to continue to do what you want to do instead of follow the Holy Spirit, be led by the Holy Spirit, let Him finish the work that He began in you, it grieves Him. It quenches Him. It causes Him. You can even uh, insult the Holy Spirit. You can lie to the Holy Spirit. Do you remember uh, Acts 5, Ananias and Sapphira? Peter asked them both, why is the Holy, or excuse me, why have you lied to the Holy Spirit? You've not lied to man, but you've lied to the Holy Spirit. Why have you let the devil fill your heart and you lie to God? Listen to me, that you can lie to the Holy Spirit. You can resist the Holy Spirit. Remember when we went through Acts in chapter 7, and we have this beautiful dissertation from Stephen of the entire historicity of the nation of Israel. And he ends it with looking at the Pharisees and saying, you stiff neck and uncircumcised in heart, you always resist the Holy Spirit. See, that's always what God is doing. He's wanting us to surrender to him and to be led by him and to believe him and not to believe somebody else. And see, what we're doing, again, in the church is we're having a form of godliness which denies the power thereof. And we believe in our own ability. We believe in our flesh. We believe in our nice buildings. We believe in everything except for what the Spirit of God is teaching us in truth. And we believe we can save ourselves, and we're deceived into trying to do that in the flesh by our works. Listen to me. I'm not trying to tell you that you're saved by works. The Bible clearly says, believe in your heart and confess with your mouth. But if you believe, then you're sealed with the Holy Spirit. And then God's plan is that the Holy Spirit continues to lead you and produce evidence in your life that you are believing God. Well, what's it look like? It looks like a life that is outliving for what God has said to do, being led by the Spirit. Well, what has God told me to do? That's between you and God, what he called you to be. The body's different. Every part of it's different. As the bride, you're supposed to be submitting and be the helpmate to go and help God do what? Save souls. That's what he gave his only son for, the blood, so that souls could be saved. So as a bride, we're supposed to come along and obediently follow our husbandmen that we're betrothed to. And the Spirit of God gives you all the power, all the truth, all the counsel, all the wisdom, makes the word known to you. He takes John 16. We're going to cover these next week, I hope. He takes everything that's Jesus's. He gives it to you. 
In fact, Jesus says in John 17, 17, sanctify them with truth. Your word is truth. So it's in the word of God that the Holy Spirit would lead us to wash us and cleanse us and consume anything that is not his spirit from us. And if we don't allow him to consume it now, one day it will be consumed with fire. It'll be burnt up. Some will be saved except through fire. You know, we resist, as I said here, as I started that in Acts 7, resisting means to oppose him. Listen, it means to run against him. And most of us will sit here and go, oh, I believe in Jesus. I'm not running against the Holy Spirit. You know what? The whole northern tribes of Israel didn't think they were running against Israel, or excuse me, against God. But Jeroboam led them away when Rehoboam, uh, Solomon's son, took the throne. Jeroboam itself means the people will contend. Will contend against what? Against the will of God. Contend against who? Against God run against God, and they make up a way that seems like it's right, but in its way is death. Only by the Spirit of God can we be led to do the will of God for the glory of God. So everything that we do now must be led by the Spirit, and the Spirit would lead you into the Word of God to have a relationship with the living God so that souls can be saved and come into the family of God. And then they can be betrothed and begin the same process that you're witnessing and testifying and walking out in front of them. And they can see evidence and go, wow, I could do that. I remember when I first got saved, my Bible study leader, Mike Abney, was sitting in front of me, grew up a, 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 a drunk. He had been laid on a slab once with a tag around his toe. And a young Baptist lady shared with him, he'd give his life to Jesus. He, could, he was dyslexic. He had been kicked out of school for knocking his teacher out when he was like 13. And, and he's telling his testimony of his dad and how his first memory of his dad was coming across the yard with a shotgun going to shoot his mom. And dad fell down drunk and shot himself. And, and didn't kill himself, but he shot himself. And Mike was remembering all of these things. And I said, man, if God can do that in Mike's life, he can do that in my life. And I seen a witness, I seen a testimony of somebody that came out of some crazy stuff and was a sinner and was sitting there reading the Bible and couldn't even pronounce the words. Yet when he talked about it, you could see the Spirit of God was revealing and uncovering truth. But we have to draw near. It has to be our choice. You can't, you can't just go, oh, I already said a prayer. God will drag me along. He doesn't drag anybody. He's a shepherd. He leads. And we have to choose to follow or we end up in a ditch. We can end up anywhere we want to end up by our own choice because he's already given us everything for life and godliness. He seals us with the Holy Spirit. Then he offers us life and godliness. And we have to make the choice. Am I going to follow the world that's already to sway the wicked one? Or am I going to follow Jesus Christ who died for me? And he sent back his spirit. And everything that you now do is about spiritual war. It already was before you got saved, but you didn't know it. But if your eyes are open, now you should be following by the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, I told you to hold your place in Genesis 24, but I want to bring you up to date where Jesus has resurrected. He is, like we said, on the road to Emmaus. And then in Acts chapter 1, you can hold your finger. I got a few places. You're going to have to play sword drills when you do topicals. 
In Acts chapter 1, 1, we see the, what's called the fifth gospel. Dr. Luke, who wrote the gospel of Luke, he says the former account, the book of Luke, I made, O Theophilus, Theophilus means lover of God. Down the corridor of time, he's writing to you and me. Of all that Jesus began to do and to teach, notice he was the evidence, the witness, the testimony, and then he was able to teach it. Until the day he was taken up, after he through the Holy Spirit, notice how he did it, through the Holy Spirit, Jesus was full of the Holy Spirit without measure. Make no mistake, everything Jesus did on the planet, even though he was 100% God, 100% man, clearly is defined in the Bible as he did it by the power of the Holy Spirit. He is the spirit of truth. He is the spirit of truth. Listen to me. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He is the spirit of truth. When he says, I'll send back another, it's the exact same thing. It's not like trading in your limousine to get a pinto. It's limousine for limousine. It's God for God. God in body form that could walk with the guys, but now in spirit form, he could be with everybody and live in his people's hearts, live in his children's heart, burn out the dross, lead them and guide them and convict them, counsel them, encourage them, and cause them to be like him. So he says he did it all through the Holy Spirit. He had given commandments, authoritative prescriptions, that Jesus, through the Holy Spirit, gave authoritative prescriptions to who? To his apostles, those that he sent forth, whom he had chosen, to whom he also presented himself alive. I'm not dead. Resurrection. He stood up again. It's a recovery of spiritual truth. After his suffering, the cross, by many infallible proofs, being seen by them during 40 days. There's the judgment. 40 40 days, that's enough. He stayed with them 40 days. And what was he doing, Greg? He was speaking. What was he talking about? Things pertaining to the kingdom of God. What the Spirit of God is always talking about. What Jesus is always talking about. What God is always revealing. That's what he was revealing to Adam and Eve as they had a relationship in the garden. Until somebody else said, there's another kingdom you can follow. There's another way. There's another government. There's another wisdom. And then we're born under the first Adam, sinners with a sin nature. And being assembled together with them, he's there with the boys and with the others, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me, for John truly baptized with water, identification, but you shall be baptized. Baptism, baptismo means to be whelmed, overwhelmed with water, completely submersed with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. You hear that? You shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. What do they do? They interrupt him. What does our flesh always do? It interrupts. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom, of is kingdom to Israel? Something that they had been falsely taught, that when he came the first time, he was going to make all roads lead back to Jerusalem, just like they did in Solomon's day. But he came to die the first time. And to raise again on the third day. Verse 7. And he said to them. It is not for you to know times or seasons. Which the father has put in his own power. His own authority. 
Verse 8, this is where we're going to camp out in the next couple weeks. But you, this is what's for you. Listen to me, saint. Listen to me, those who are waiting for the promise of God. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you to be witnesses, martyrs, one who dies for their faith, witnesses for me throughout Jerusalem, all Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. That's why we interrupt with our flesh. But he says, no, let's get back to the promise, the spirit of God for the child of God to lead them and teach them and guide them to believe in their heart and seal them and to help them know what is going on in the kingdom of God so that they can go out and do what? Be a witness to others so that they can go out and love others even when they're not lovable. And the Holy Spirit then will give gifts. The Holy Spirit will then uh, continue to shape the body and put people in the right place. Look at John 6. John 6. And you can write these down and go look at them later if you have more time because sometimes I go a little quick. But in John 6, 62... Now, I don't know if you know the text, but in John 6, woo, Jesus said, eat my flesh and drink my blood because these people are following him for the wrong reasons. And he says, you need to make a commitment to eat my flesh and drink my blood. And his flesh is the bread and his blood is life. Listen to me. Flesh represents bread. He doesn't mean to be a cannibal. He means to commit, to sit down and have a meal with him, to dine on the bread, the word of life. He's the bread that come down from heaven. The fathers ate manna in the wilderness, but he's that bread. And then there's life in the blood. When, we, when, when the church is birthed in the blood, we're covered in the blood. Now listen to me, it's 662. I don't have time to teach the whole text. I just want you to see this. What then, because this is what we just seen in our resurrection Sunday. What then if you should see the son of man ascend where he was before? See, they just stood there watching. I probably should have read that verse in verse 1-9 of Acts. And as they watched, he went up in the clouds. And the angel said, why do you stand here gazing? In the same way that he leaves, he'll come back again. We're supposed to be led by the Spirit now and go out and be witnesses. In 63, or yeah, 663, it is the Spirit. Listen to me. It is the Spirit. Who gives life. The flesh, sarks, profits nothing. How much is nothing? Anybody got a calculator? Somebody pull out a calculator and put nothing in it. And see what numbers come up. It's the spirit that gives life. The spirit opens your eyes so you can see the blood of Jesus paid for your sins. And that he gave you his righteousness. It's the spirit that helps you understand this book. It's the spirit that's to lead your life. It's the spirit that we live in and we don't regard anything as flesh anymore. The flesh is good to stumble you and to deceive you and to kill you. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak to you are spirit and they are life. These very words that we're reading. But there are some of you who do not believe. You do not trust Christ for your spiritual well-being. For Jesus knew from the beginning that was before the worlds were ever made, who they were who did not believe and who would betray him, speaking of Judas. 
And he said, Therefore I have said to you that no one can come to me unless it has been granted to him by my Father. Now look at this. It's verse 666 on purpose, the number of men. 666. From that time, many of his disciples went back and walked with him no more. Then Jesus said to the twelve, Do you also want to go away? But Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Also, we have come to believe and know that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Listen to me. The Spirit opens up these words of eternal life. The Spirit takes everything that belongs to Jesus. John um, 16, 7. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away, Jesus speaking. If I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. And when he has come, he will convict the world of sin and righteousness and judgment. Of sin because they do not believe in me. Of righteousness because I go to my Father and you see me no more. Of judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. He came to destroy the works of the devil. I still have many things to say to you. God still wants you to listen to him. My sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. He says it through the Spirit now as He leads you in the Word of God and, and, and leads your conscience to become uh, uh, acquainted with Him and right with Him through co-perception. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. John 16, 12, 13. However, when He, notice He's a He, the Spirit of truth, He's a person, has come, he will guide you into all truth. Isn't that what we want to know? All truth, since Jesus is the truth. For he will not speak of his own power, his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you things to come. Don't you want to know what's going on? He will glorify me, Jesus said, for he will take of what is mine and declare it to you. You want to know what inheritance is there? Do you want to know what Jesus has got for you, your husband, who he is? All things that are the Father's, excuse me, verse 15 of 16, 15 of John. All things that the Father has are mine. Therefore, I said that he will take of mine and declare it to you. He will make it manifest to you. He will reveal it to you. It's the Spirit. Pop over to John 3. I'm just going to bounce around and we'll go after this one back to Genesis 24. Remember Genesis, or excuse me, John 3? Nicodemus, a Pharisee, a teacher of the people, supposed to know everything, comes by night. And Jesus says to him, and we're just going to read verse 3, 5. Jesus answered him, most assuredly, you can read it later, I don't want to read his nonsense. John 5, Jesus answered Nicodemus, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, you're born of water through your mother, born of Spirit by believing that Jesus is Lord and God raised him from the dead, unless he's born of both of them, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Why does he say that? Because angels are not born of water. So salvation is not for fallen angels. They can't repent. 
You have to be flesh, born in the flesh, and then born of the Spirit by believing and receiving the Spirit. Fallen angels, there is no help, but boy, they're trying to take us with them. They want us to follow the flesh and sin and self and Satan instead of being led by the Spirit of truth. Must be born of water and the Spirit, or he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Do you want to enter the kingdom of God? It's a spiritual kingdom. Jesus is always talking about it. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. And that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes and you hear the sound of it, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it goes. So is everyone who is born of the spirit. Listen, there should be evidence. What did he just say? When the wind blows, you can see the evidence of it. You can see the evidence of the trees moving, but you don't know where it's going, where it's coming from. Same thing with the Spirit of God in you. There should be evidence that is clear that your life is now different, no longer living in the flesh, no longer living for self, no longer living for Satan. There should be evidence, there should be a witness that people see that something's going on with the Spirit in your life. Because of God, because of the blood of Jesus. Now, I want you to see this in real time. Genesis 24. What? Well, I continue to tell you, and I don't know how I'm ever going to prove it to you. But if you want to keep your New Testament theology correct, go look at the foundation of the house that God has built, that he's building. So Genesis 24 is going to reveal the bride to us, the church to us, the one who is betrothed to Christ. Let's pray. Father, we pray that you would pour out your spirit upon us. We know that your word, your words, this holy book is only understood as your spirit reveals it and plants the seeds of it in our heart and it grows and we bear fruit, some 30, some 60, some 100 fold. We trust you, Lord, and we ask that you would help us to understand the work of your spirit, that you would help us to have a relationship with your Holy Spirit and that we would not have a form of godliness and deny the power thereof. We would not try to play church and pretend but we would understand that you've called us out of darkness into your marvelous light. And now you want to sanctify and cleanse us with the washing of the water through the word. Thank you, Lord, for preparing us. Thank you for adorning us. Thank you for making us ready for the wedding supper of the Lamb as a bride. We give you praise in Jesus' name and for his glory. Amen. Genesis 24. Interesting. Now Abraham, father of a multitude, father of many nations is what his name means, was old. How old is he, Greg? I'm glad you asked. He's approximately 137 at this moment that we're reading. How do we know? Because in chapter 23, Sarah, the only woman in the Bible that's mentioned her age, Sarah dies. And she was 127 years old when she died. Because we know 
that Isaac, the son of promise, was born when she was 90. 90 years old and she gave birth to a son. Abram was 100 years old, so now he's about 137. So that means that when Genesis 22 was penned, which is an entire testimony of a father taking his son for three days and taking him to Calvary, and the father takes his son with wood on his back, and he sacrifices him on that hill, Hebrews tells us. So when 22 was penned, it means that Isaac must have been 33 or very, really close to the same age that Jesus was when he died. Because see, Isaac, which means laughter, he's a picture of Jesus Christ. You have to understand that. And the father, Abram, is a picture of God the Father. And so we're told that in chapter 25 that Abraham dies at 175 years old. So he's still got 38 years left in his life. We're told in that same chapter that he also remarries, and he marries a woman named Keturah, and he has more children. After Sarah, which means princess, or uh, uh, Roy, what does her name mean? Princess? It's another word for it. I don't have it. Memory. Memory getting old. So here's Abraham. Mm. In chapter 17 of Genesis. I know it's a lot of stuff. Just pay attention. You don't have to get it all. You want to get the spirit part, though. Noble woman, yeah. Noble one. Her name is Princess and Noble One. And we're told how old they were in 1717 uh, when that promise was given to them. Can you believe that? That God would give people that are 90 years old and 100 years old, respectively, a promise that they're going to have a child and they've been without a child for all those years? And that's how Isaac gets his name because Sarah laughs. Because she laughs because will you bring life out of death, a dead womb, and you're going to bring life out of it? See, that's a picture of God bringing life out of the grave, out of the, 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 the person of Jesus Christ when he dies and giving life to you with his blood. And now you can believe this. And so this testimony is written down in the Old Testament. As you read through the book of Genesis is where we get our origin. We get the foundations and first usage of words. It's such an amazing thing that God has done. But you have to read the Bible and trust his word. But when you go back and ask the Holy Spirit to reveal it, there's so much more going on so that you can believe. So he's old. He's well advanced in age, the ancient of days, one might call him. And the Lord had blessed Abraham in all things. I want to tell you, when I almost lost my wife, I knew God was in control, but I wasn't feeling blessed. And now we see the testimony in the very next chapter that Abraham has been blessed in all things, and he just lost his wife. Listen to me. Everything that's going on in your life is for a reason. And God is blessing you even when it hurts. He's using it to get you across the finish line. He's using it to get your attention so you'll get away from the flesh and start living in the spirit and understand that it's bigger than you. When you lose a loved one, it's hard to believe that it's a blessing from God. To rend your heart so that he can get in. So Abraham said to the oldest servant of the house who ruled over all that he had, please put your hand under my thigh 
And I will make you swear by the Lord, notice who they're swearing before, the God of heaven and the God of earth, that you will not take a wife for my son from the daughters of the Canaanites among whom I dwell, but you shall go to my country and to my family and take a wife for my son Isaac. So here you have a son and a father, and the, the father is making his head servant take an oath that he is going to go get a bride, but he's not going to get it from the world. He's going to get it from his country. And see, you and I, that's why we're citizens in heaven. We're, that's now our citizenship, and the Holy Spirit wants to, to, to reveal that to us and to reveal what it means to be a citizen of heaven and prepare us as a bride adorned for the Son of God in the banquet supper of the Lamb. Now, if you go back to 15.2, when the covenant was being given to Abraham, you find out that the head servant is Eleazar from Damascus. And you find out, really, that you know where he got Eleazar from? When Lot, when Lot got captured because Lot wanted to live in the world, and God came to save him, or excuse me, he sent Abram to save him from his capture, from, from, from Lot wanting to live in the flesh and live in the world. What happened when Abram took 315 men and pursued them, when they defeated all those other five tribes, it was in Damascus, and he picked up Eleazar there, become his head servant. He hasn't got any children, so he's got this servant that faithfully serves him for all of these years, Eleazar. Oh, why did I tell you that? Because Eleazar means God is my help. It's an Old Testament type of the Holy Spirit, one who comes alongside to serve, one who comes alongside to help and to counsel and take care of Abram. Eleazar was his heir to the, to the family until there was a son of promise born, Isaac. Then Eleazar faithfully serves Isaac. And now when he's getting older at 137, he says, I don't know how much longer I'm going to live. Put your hand under my thigh. This is how they would make a contract. It was like, well, we do a handshake. We used to. Now you have to sign 1,800 documents. Used to be a man's gentleman's agreement, and you was done. This was the same thing. Put your hand under my thigh and swear before the Lord God that you will go prepare a bride. The Holy Spirit is now preparing a bride. Are you a bride? Do you want to be a bride? Do you want to follow? As many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the children of God. This is what salvation is about. Being led by God under His authority, listening to His leading, listening to His voice, which comes through the Spirit that makes it alive for you. And then you choose your own choosing. I'm going to follow God today or I'm not. I'm going to follow his voice or I'm not. This is something you make moment to moment, day by day, all the time. It gets easier when you begin to do it and you say, whoa, this stuff is real. I'm not going to play games. I'm not going to hell. I don't want to go in reverse. I don't want to live that way. I want to be a witness. I want everything God has for me. I think it's in Hebrews 11.10 that there's a testimony of Moses that said he looked for the house not made with hands, eternal in the heavenlies. That's what we should be looking for. That's what the Holy Spirit reveals. Everything that belongs to Jesus, our entire inheritance, and allows us to use it now because salvation is today. Verse 5, And the servant, Eleazar, said to him, Listen, listen, perhaps... Preadventure, 
if you have the King James. Preadventure, the woman will not be willing to follow me to this land. Must I take your son back to the land from which you came? Listen, it's your free will choice. The Holy Spirit comes. He convicts of sin and righteousness and judgment. He wants to sanctify and cleanse after He seals you if you will allow Him to. But if you're not willing to go, there's the question that you might not be willing. You might not want to do the will of God. You might be okay with saying a prayer and believing some liars that it's okay to just say one prayer and you're done. Instead of taking the journey back home. Instead of being sanctified and cleansed with the washing of the water through the word. So here the Holy Spirit asks the father, Eleazar, the head servant, asks Abraham, father of many nations. Isn't that interesting? Because God owns all of them. He created all of them. He's the father of all the nations. Okay. And he says in verse 6, the father, Abraham, said to him, beware. Listen, beware. I got to find it. It means this is a warning. It's one of them signs, warning. It means to hedge about with thorns, guard, protect, be circumstance. Oh, wait a minute. It means mark this. There's a mark here. Mark this. Observe and be a watchman. Joshua 1.8 is the word observe. We just had that as a memory verse. Remember? Anybody have it? But this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night so that you may observe, you may beware and guard this. Be a watchman to do according to all that is written in it. Then you shall be prosperous and then you shall be of good success. Pay attention to that because the Holy Spirit's going to be very prosperous. The Holy Spirit's going to have great success in getting a church. There's no wisdom or counsel against God. So here he says, beware, mark it, observe it, be a watchman about it. That you do not take my son back there. Think about this for a minute. God doesn't want his son going back to the world to live. If we're saints, backslidden is what we call it. Some people haven't frontslidden. They think they frontslid, but they haven't frontslid. So they never could backslide, but they think they're backslidden. Listen to me. Beware, he tells the Holy Spirit, don't take my son back to there. They crucified him the first time. Don't take him back there until we're done with this. But we go back as witnesses. We're in the world, but we're not of the world. We're not going back to the spirit of this world. We're not going back to Egypt. We're not going back to the spirit of this age. We're not going to live in the sin nature. We're going to have a new nature. We're going to be new creations in Christ. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new because of the spirit of God. Don't go back there. Verse 7, the Lord God of heaven, listen, this is his testimony. This is his reason. This is what's going to happen. This is how his help comes. The Lord God of heaven who took me from my father's house and from the land of my family and who spoke to me and swore to me saying to your descendants, I give this land he will send his angel, I, I wrote in my Bible and made that little A, a big A, Christ. 
He will send his angel to Christophany before you, and you shall take a wife for my son from there. Notice the assurance. He's not saying then you can. He knows that there's going to be a bride when he gets there. He already knows all things. He's God Almighty. But then he says again in verse 8, number of new beginnings, if the woman is not willing to follow you, then you will be released from this oath. Only do not take my son back there. So the servant put his hand under the thigh of Abraham, his master, and swore to him concerning this matter. He said, okay. Listen, notice, notice it's the Holy Spirit. Notice it's the head servant. Notice it's God swearing to God. Notice it's God making an oath to God because nobody else can make an oath with God. God swore and will not relent that Jesus is a servant forever according to the order of Melchizedek. He couldn't swear on anybody else. There's nobody to swear on. They're making an agreement in the Trinity, in the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit of what they're going to do. And they're all one and they're all doing the same thing. They're all looking for a bride for the Son. They're all saving fallen mankind who listen to the liar. And we actually looked at this the other day. Luke chapter 10, verse 1. What did Jesus do? Notice what he said he was going to do. He'll send his angel before you. Luke chapter 10, verse 1. Remember that? When Jesus sends out 70, he sent them out the second time. He sent out 70. He sent them out by twos. We talk about this. Always have somebody with you. Sent them out by two before his face, in his favor, in his mercy, in every city and place where he himself was about to go. Listen, he not only will not leave you nor forsake you, he always goes before you. He's already there saving souls. All you got to do is show up as a witness, as a testimony, as somebody that's already a trophy of grace and say, I serve the living God because the Spirit's already there. God's already there. It's about our faithfulness. Will we choose to follow? Not, not, not choose to be perfect, not choose to be smart, not choose to be great, not choose to be tall or handsome or dress a certain way. Choose to be faithful to show up and say, yes, Lord. Problem is we don't show up. We don't show up. We're living in the flesh. We don't show up to the Spirit. When Jesus died on the cross, the veil of the temple was rent to bring us into the Holy of Holies. And we live out in the Gentiles' court. When we became children, we still live out in the streets. Instead of being led by the Spirit of God into the throne room of God for the glory of God. So that we can be like God and be the bride that we're called to be. Notice this, if the woman is not willing. The woman is speaking of the church. We're going to see her name in a minute. It's Rebecca. Listen to me, if she's not willing, if she doesn't want to go, if she doesn't want to follow, if she says no, God's not a God of force, God's a God of love. If she says no, it says you will be released. Actually, King James says, then thou shalt be clear. It's amazing statements released there. Listen to me, it means It means that the Holy Spirit will be clean and clear and released of the oath. The Holy Spirit, listen, will be cleansed and blameless and acquitted. The amazing thing is, is if you're willing to go, you get to be cleansed and free and acquitted. You get to be clean and washed. But if you choose not to go and you're not willing, 
the Holy Spirit is released from the oath that it made to make you the bride. The Holy Spirit is released, doesn't have to. Never going to force the truth of God, the will of God, the, the, the love of God. The Holy Spirit will never force the gifts of God upon you. It's willing to you to choose, I want more. See, he's already given all. It's already given. It's a done deal. Completely, perfectly given. It's up to you to pick up the spoils. It's up to you to draw near. It's up to you to receive it and open up the package and begin to allow God's Spirit to use your life for His glory, to adorn you. Or you can keep listening to the lies of the world and follow them and open up their package, which leads to hell, to death, to destruction. And you can release the Spirit of His obligation There's only two governments, there's only two ways, there's only two words, there's only two roads. No matter how many choices are out there. Choose you this day whom you shall serve. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord our God. If the woman is not willing to follow you, to walk with you. Listen to this, this is so amazing. I want you to get this, listen, blew me away. Didn't fall out of my chair, could have fell out of my chair. To follow means to walk, to grow, to prosper, right? It means to come. Jesus said, come to me, all you're weary and heavy laden. But guess what willing means? You can look it up later. Listen, willing means to breathe after you. Are you kidding me? God breathed into dirt and gave it life and it was fallen and then he rebreathes on us the spirit of life so that we can have life. And, and if you're not willing to follow, then you're not willing to breathe after God and breathe the oxygen of heaven. Willing means to breathe after. Are you kidding me? It's to breathe the same air, to have the same table, the same consciousness, the same truth, the same life with God and that more abundantly. I was like, what? How do you even translate a word that means to breathe after willing? You can keep breathing this smog. See, most Christians do. They stand on their oxygen line from heaven, and they don't listen to the Holy Spirit. They don't get what the Holy Spirit's saying. They don't care because they're too busy living in death. And they don't get this inheritance that's been given to them through the death of Christ, through his blood being spilled, and through this sacrifice of God coming to earth and taking flesh. And the evidence that he is the Messiah is he rose again. He got back up and he came back and spoke to them 40 more days. There's the judgment on death, the judgment on the devil, the judgment that he's destroyed. You don't have to follow him anymore. He's been judged. Are you willing to breathe the same air as God? That's what they did in the garden, Adam and Eve, until they listened to somebody else's breath. And they breathe the air of deception. I just think it's amazing. I don't care. Okay. It was good for me. Okay, head servant, let's go back to Mesopotamia. He agrees. Verse 10. Remember, it's a 450 to 500 mile trip. Good thing to remember. It's a long way. They weren't flying. They were on camels. Here we go. Verse 10. 10 is important. 10 is a big number. All through the Bible, it's a huge number. It's in verse 10. Then 
Eleazar, the servant of the Lord, took ten of his master's camels and departed. For all his master's goods were in his hand. And he arose and went to Mesopotamia to a city of Nahor. Now listen to me. Ten. Why is it important? Ten is a perfect number. Seven is complete. And then you add three, the Trinity to it. You had the Ten Commandments. You had the Ten Toes and the Ten Fingers. You have all these tens all through the Bible. We just had the tenth and the son is the day that the Lamb was, was chosen. We, did, we have the tens all through the Bible. They're a complete finality. And so we have this ten. He took everything. The Holy Spirit is God. Eleazar has everything that his master's disposal at the Father's hand. He has all the riches, all the inheritance, everything, and he took it with him, loaded on these camels. He brought it all to earth, and he says, you can have it if you will, or you are willing to breathe this air and follow me. And he takes it to where? Mesopotamia, back to his homeland. Listen to this. It's all in his hands. That's power. That's your, that's, that's, that's your hands is your work, what you're doing. Your resources are available. Mesopotamia. My goodness. I don't even know if I can get this out. Because it's so crazy. Nahor, you know what it means? Snorting. See, God's breath of air, but then you're down here snoring and snorting in Nahor's land. Seriously, that's what it means. I'm just like, whoa, that's weird. Snorting or snoring. People that are asleep. Mesopotamia means Aram of the two rivers. I go, what's got to mean more than that? I go, okay, let's see. What are the two rivers? Well, the two rivers are the Euphrates and the Tigris. But then you got to check it and go back to the King James and you find out that the Tigris is really the Hittichel. What's that mean, Greg? Listen, Hittichel means rapid. Euphrates means fruitfulness. When you're willing, there's rapid fruitfulness. There's the fruit of the Spirit, which is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. See, this is the foundation. But you have to be willing. You have to choose. And you can only choose by the power of the Spirit. Or you can keep feeding the flesh and let that dog win. But he won't hunt. So, there is rapid fruitfulness when you are willing to follow the Holy Spirit, they're snoring and snorting in Nahor, though they're asleep. Now look what he does in verse 11. And he made his camels kneel down. See the humility kneeling down outside of a snorting, snoring city by a well of water. And water, of course, is the Spirit. Water always speaks of the Spirit of God in the Bible. At evening time, darkness, the time when women go out to draw water in the many waters of the world, all the nations, they go out to draw water. Where are you drinking from? Where are you getting your water from? Your water clean, pure, enduring? What spirit are you leading, is leading you? What spirit are you following when you go out? Is it night? Is it daytime? Are you breathing after the Lord or still snorting and snoring? Asleep. 
In Ephesians 4, he says, Awake you who sleep, and Christ will give you life. He gives it in the Spirit. The Spirit is life. Verse 12. Then he said, O Lord, look what he does. He prays. I know. Sometimes it's hard to discern what's going on. But you know, the Spirit, we didn't talk about it, but we can see it in Romans. The Spirit, it makes intercession for us. The Spirit prays for us. He knows the heart of God, so He knows what you need. So He knows how to pray for you. And also, Jesus the Christ is sitting at the right hand of the Father, making intercession for you. And also, God the Father keeps all of our prayers and all of our tears in a bowl. He loves us that much. He's waiting for us. He's wanting us to be willing. He's doing everything to love us and to draw us near and to entice us to come follow him. He's doing everything to bring his bedish ones back. And yet we continue to listen to the snoring and the snorting, to the lying wisdom of this world. After he's done so much for us. So this servant begins to pray, verse 12. Then he said, O Lord God of my master, Adon, like Adonai, of my master, Abraham, please give me success this day. I'm going to pause just for a second. We'll get it. Have you ever asked God to give you success in witnessing? Have you ever asked God to give you success in being a, 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 a witness for him and to save souls? you ever asked for God to give you success on anything except for your life? See, we pray every day, oh, give me success. I've applied for this job. I've wanted this car. I want this thing. Give me success, Lord, so I can feed my selfish flesh. But what about give me success to do the will of the Father who is in heaven? What about give me success in doing the will of God in saving souls? Do we ever pray that prayer? Give me success in following the Holy Spirit. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night, so that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. Then you shall be prosperous, and then you shall be of good success. It all comes from breathing after God, breathing after what His heart desires, breathing after what He sent His Son to die for, having the same life that He has, one with Him in doing the work of God, and it has to be done by the Spirit of God for the glory of God. So he prays, give me success this day. Give me my daily bread and show kindness to my master Abraham. Behold, here I stand. That's all we can say. Here I stand. Having, having put on the armor of God, I stand here waiting, Lord. What do you want to do? Behold, I stand by the well of water and the daughters of the men of the city are coming out to draw water. Everybody's looking for an answer. Why am I here? What's going on? And when they come out, now let it be that the young woman to whom I say, he speaks, she hears his voice, please let down your pitcher that I may drink. And she says, drink, and I will also give your camels a drink. Let her be the one you have appointed, chosen, judged let her be the one when she lets down her vessel for water and says drink let her be the one you have convinced and corrected and judged and reproved that's what that word means appointed for your servant isaac to be the bride of isaac 
who is a type of Christ. And by this I will know there will be evidence that you have shown kindness to my master, to Adon. Not Adonai, Adon. It's a type of Lord. Listen to me. He's praying. Look what verse 15 says. And it happened. See, what is he doing? He's praying into the will of the Father. This is what the Father sent him to do. He's praying the same desire of the Father. He's wanting to do the same work. He's breathing the same air. He's looking for the same success. He's in line with what the Spirit is doing. He's praying and he says this. And it happened before he even finished the prayer. Because God knows your heart. He didn't even get the words out of his mouth and the church shows up. Or excuse me, Rebecca shows up. Before he finished speaking, that behold, Rebecca, oh, Rebecca, who was born to Bethuel, son of Milcah, the wife of Nahor, Abraham's brother, came out with her pitcher on her shoulder. What's the church look like? Now, the young woman was very beautiful to behold, a virgin. No man had known her. And she went down to the well, filled her pitcher, and came up. Listen, Paul betrothed, betrothed us to Christ as a chaste virgin. When you come to Christ now, spiritually, you're a virgin. This woman is very beautiful. Listen to Rebecca means this, an ensnarer. Are you kidding me? That's as crazy as Mary meeting their rebellion. Rebecca means an ensnarer. And then it says, fettering by beauty. Listen, fettering by beauty. Binding is what a fetter is. Binding by her beauty. See, the beauty that people see in the bride of Christ, a kindness and the love of God, when they see our love for one another, it binds them. It makes them want to be part of us. The church is supposed to be an ensnarer opposite of the devil who deceives, captivates by love, and binds you in love. It's amazing stuff when you start to look at it. So Rebecca and Bethuel means God destroys. Milcah, the queen. What queen? Queen of this earth. It's, it's amazing stuff. I don't know. Maybe I'm just out there. I'm blown away by it. And it's father of many nations, brother. Came out of the picture with her shoulder. She's a virgin. She's beautiful. She went down and filled her picture and came back up. But what happened? Verse 17. Put you in remembrance of the prodigal son and the father running to the one who came to their senses. And the servant, the Holy Spirit, ran to meet her and said, Please let me drink a little water from your pitcher. No, I've worked hard all day. I don't want to deal with that. Get out of here. I don't want you working in my life. I'm not going to Bible study. I'm not going to church. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going in that direction. I'm not going to obey the voice of the Holy Spirit. I just want a little drink. Can't we sup at the same table? Can't we be one? Oh, no, she didn't say that. I'm sorry. So she said, drink, my Lord. Drink, my Lord. So we see the prayer being answered because she's willing. Then she quickly let down her pitcher down to her hand and gave him a drink. 
And when she had finished giving him a drink, she said, I will draw water for your camels also until they have finished drinking. Then she quickly emptied her pitcher into the trough, ran as he was running. She becomes like him, running. There's some urgency. Haste the day. Make the most of the day. Redeeming the time. She's running now because the Holy Spirit ran to her. She's becoming like and she went to the dwell, well and drew water for all his camels. Remember, 10 camels, upwards of 25 gallons each, plus the men are there. So she draws 20, 250 gallons of water. Notice this, the character, the nature of the person who is the bride of Christ, a servant. A servant. Not a servant that just serves, but a servant that went way beyond. She was asked for a drink. And she gave 250 gallons more. So she went way beyond, oh, I got that done because the pastor asked me. I got that done because God asked me to go tell them about Jesus when we're privileged to go. But she went way on above and beyond 250 gallons more of water that she wanted to serve. She wanted to be a servant. Listen to me. It shows the character of what the church should be. Going way beyond what we're asked for. Someone asked for your cloak, give him your coat also. And the man, Eleazar, type of the Holy Spirit, wondering at her, uh, maybe your honeymoon period, remained silent, didn't say no more for a minute, so as to know whether the Lord had made his journey prosperous. There it is. Or not. Prosperous. It means to push forward, to break out, to be good, whether it was good or not. See, because people will come and say, Oh, I heard about Jesus. The Holy Spirit asked for a drink, and now I give my life to Christ. I went to that altar and I prayed. But was it serious or was it emotional? Was it in your head or in your heart? Lots of false converts, and we think we're okay at the starting line when we never really got started. We say, oh, I backslid, but we never front slid. Listen to me. So the Holy Spirit waits to see. God's not, God's not confused. God is not deceived. You can't get nothing over on God. Everything is before His eyes. He sees it. And that's the one you have to be pleasing to. Think about this for a minute. Matthew 7, 21. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of God, but everyone who does the will of my Father in heaven. Wait a minute, Lord, Lord, we cast out demons. We did many works in your name. We did all this stuff. Be away from me. I never knew you, you who practice lawlessness and wickedness. You had a form of godliness, but you denied the power thereof. You wasn't doing it in the spirit of God. You wasn't breathing the air that I was breathing. You wasn't looking for my success and doing my will. You were doing your own kingdom building instead of walking in the spirit and being led by the spirit and doing the will of God for the glory of God so he's waiting to see see many people go I'm saved well wait a minute we'll see you guys remember I, I, I probably told it a million times the man that woke up one morning and whole herd of horses had rolled up into his corral just right there wild horses all the townspeople, they go, wow, that's a good thing. That's a good thing. He goes, well, maybe, maybe not. They're like, huh? Like, 
So the next day, his son's out there trying to break one of them horses and breaks his leg. All the people go, oh, that's a bad thing. That's a bad thing. He goes, well, maybe, maybe not. So the following week, the army calls up all the young men, and they all go to war. But his son doesn't go to war because he's got a broken leg. See, you don't know the end of a thing. Oh, wait, wait a minute. The horses ran off. That's another part of it. Then the horses ran off. And he said, well, it's a bad, or they said, it's a bad thing. And he goes, well, maybe, maybe not. Then they all come back with more horses. And he, they said, well, that's a good thing. He said, well, maybe, maybe. See, you got to see the end of a matter. You got to cross the finish line. You got to run with endurance. We're running a race. There's three parts of it. There's salvation, sanctification, and glorification. And all of them line up together. And the Spirit of God is leading us across the finish line. The Spirit of God is the one that will deliver us into the banqueting table as the bride of Christ, adorned and ready for our master. So some people say, oh, I said a prayer, I'm saved. Well, maybe, maybe not. You might have started well, but you're going to end bad if you don't stay in the word, prayer, and fellowship and following the Holy Spirit, being led by the Spirit of God. Look what happens, 22. So it was when the camels had finished drinking that the man, Eleazar, the type of the Holy Spirit, took a golden nose ring, gold is deity, weighing half a shekel, and two bracelets for her wrist, weighing ten shekels of gold, and said... And he gives them to her. See, this is like the sealing of the Holy Spirit in Ephesians 1.13. Seals you until the day of redemption. And said, whose daughter are you? Let me ask you today, whose daughter are you? According to what water you're drinking, whose daughter are you? Who's your father? Tell me, please, is there room in your father's house for us to lodge? Remember when there was no room for Jesus in the end when he was born? Is there room in your father's house for people to lodge? Can you serve? Do you give hospitality? See, the church does. The church is loving and kind. It's like Jesus. So she said to him, I am the daughter of Bethuel. Did we talk about Bethuel? God destroys is what it means. Milcah's son. Milcah means queen whom she bore to Nahor. Snoring and snorting. Somebody else's heir. Moreover, she said to him, we have both straw and feed, enough room to lodge. She said, yes. Then the man bowed down his head and worshiped the Lord. Think about that. He worshiped the Lord. He gave the glory to God. He bowed down, approached Caneo, laid out and worshiped God because the woman said, yes, the angels in heaven have a party, some would say. And he said, blessed be the Lord God of my master Abraham, who has not forsaken his mercy and his truth toward my master. As for me being on the way, the Lord led me to the house of my master's brother. Notice that the Lord, the angel he sent before him, went before him and went and led him. The Holy Spirit leads you where you need to go. This is the Holy Spirit, a type of here. But the Lord is always going to lead you. You don't have to get set around and guess and wonder and worry. So the young woman ran and told her mother's household these things. She went to be a witness. Of what was going on. Now, Rebecca had a brother whose name was Laban. 
me and my son was talking about this the other day. I can't look at Laban except to remember that his name backward is Nabal. Remember Nabal that wouldn't give David, David the beloved, David the type of Christ, wouldn't give him food for protecting his shepherds, and he choked the delt up on his stinginess, and he's greedy, and he died at his own table. And what happened, Greg? Oh, David married his wife. She became David's wife, type of the church. Laban is the same as Nabal. Watch this. He looks like he's the church. He looks like he's involved. He looks like he, but watch what his heart is different. Laban ran also. He ran out to the man by the well. Why? Because sister's got some golden stuff on. So it came to pass when he saw, look what he's looking at. He wasn't looking at serving. He wasn't looking at laying down his life. He wasn't looking at drawing water. He was looking at the nose ring that was made of gold and the bracelets that were made of gold on his sister's wrist. See, some people come looking to get instead of to serve. Laban's eyes are in the wrong place. He's not breathing the same air. So it came to pass. Oh, no, where are we at? Rebecca saying, it's B, 30B. Thus the man spoke to me that he went to the man and there he stood by the camels at the well. And he said, come in, O blessed of the Lord. Why do you stand outside? For I have prepared the house and a place for the camels. Then the man came to the house and he unloaded the camels and provided straw and feed for the camels and water to wash his feet and the feet of the men who were with him. Notice he didn't wash their feet. Notice he didn't do any of these things. He either had some other servant do it or they had to do it for themselves. Notice the heart difference. Notice the eye difference. Notice everything about the character of Laban that was different. Oh, we see him again later. Remember when Jacob goes to live with him and he deceives Jacob how many times? We already know the heart of Laban. He's got a lot of, a lot of God in him. He says God a lot. Says good stuff a lot, but no spirit of God in him. He'll dress right, talk right, look right, but he's in it for the wrong things. He's not bowing himself down and serving. But he wants you to come in and give him stuff. Then verse 33, notice the urgency. Food was set before him to eat, but he said... I will not eat until I have told about my errand. Remember Jesus, they come to him and he said, here, and he goes, I have food that you know not of, to do the will of God. Remember when he was led by the Spirit up into the wilderness? That's what we're talking about, the Spirit of God leading us. Even Jesus was led by the Spirit up into the wilderness to be tempted, and he fasted. He was making sure the devil knew who he was before he ate. And here the Holy Spirit says, wait a minute, I'm not eating until I finish my business. That's what the word actually means. The Aaron means business. It can mean business. It can mean promise. It can mean work. He put his hand under Abraham's leg and they promised that he would go do this and he's not going to eat until that's finished. 
And so he said, speak on. So he allowed him to speak on. Listen, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. We need to speak the word of God to people. So he said, I am Abraham's servant. The Lord has blessed my master greatly and he has become great. And he has given him flocks and herds and silver redemption and gold deity male and female servants camels and donkeys and sarah my master's wife bore a son to my master when she was old 90 years old and to him it was given all that he has so the inheritance has been given to isaac the son everything given to him all authority has been given to me in heaven and earth go therefore and make disciples think Laban's listening you mean he's rich and he has everything Laban's listening now my master made me swear saying you shall not take a wife from the sons of the daughters of the Canaanites whose land I dwell but you shall go to my father's house and to my family and take a wife for my son and I said to my master perhaps the woman will not follow me but he said to me The Lord before whom I walk will send his angel with you and prosper your way. And you shall take a wife for my son and from my family and for my father's house. You will be clear of this oath, released of this oath, when you arrive among my family. For if they will not give her to you, then you will be released from my oath. Now remember, by the mouth of two or three witnesses, let a matter be established. He's repeating this all again. And then 42, and this day I came to the well and said, O Lord God of my master Abraham. Notice he's given testimony and witness, but he's just telling the truth of what happened. That's all you and I are called to do as witnesses, to give testimony. We don't have to make nothing up. Just tell what happened. Just tell what's going on. Just tell what the Spirit of God is doing. Came to the well, O Lord my master Abraham, if you will now prosper the way which I go. He tells him that he prayed. Behold, I stand by the well of the water, and it shall come to pass that when the virgin comes out to draw water, and I say to her, please give me a little water for the pitcher to drink. And she says to me, drink, and I will draw for your camels also. Let her be the woman whom the Lord has appointed for my master's son. But before I finish speaking in my heart, there was Rebekah coming out with her pitcher on her shoulder, and she went down to the well and drew water. And I said to her, Please let me drink. And she made haste and let her pitcher down from her shoulder and said, Drink, and I will give your camels drink also. So I drank, and she gave the camels drink also. Then I asked her and said, Whose daughter are you? And she said, The daughter of Bethul, Nahar's son, whom Milcah bore to him. So I put a nose ring in her nose. That's the way you lead away captives, too bracelets on her wrist and i bowed my head and i worshiped what testimony we're giving here the lord and blessed the lord god of my master abraham who had led me in the way of truth the spirit of truth will lead you in the way of truth and i'm moving quickly through this to take the daughter of my master's brother from his son now if you will deal kindly with me And truly with my master, tell me, and if not, tell me, that I may turn to the right hand or to the left. The Spirit will not dwell with man always. You know, he he will leave you where you're at. If you choose not to go, if you choose not to agree, the Spirit will move on. 
He's not going to force himself upon you. Then Laban said to Bethuel, answered and said, listen to the answer. The thing comes from the Lord. We cannot speak to you either bad or good. God's sovereign in this. We can't speak to you either way. It's from the Lord. Here is Rebekah before you. Take her and go and let her be your master's son's wife as the Lord has spoken. Everything that God has spoken will come to pass. And it came to pass, aren't you glad, when Abraham's servant heard their words that he worshiped the Lord, bowing himself to the earth. Look what God has done. He's bowing. Now, 53. Then what did he do, Greg? Then the servant brought out jewelry of silver, redemption, jewelry of gold, deity, clothing, clothed in Christ, the beginning of it, because you're going to go. When you begin to obey, you can say yes, but when you begin to obey and go, that's when the Holy Spirit reveals gifts, talents, abilities. When the Holy Spirit gives you more to go in and begins to sanctify and cleanse you and clothe you in Christ. This is the same thing that's going on in this text that's in the foundation of the gospel. What happened then? He also gave precious things to her brother and her mother. So Laban and mom got some stuff too. Because you know what? When you begin to receive from God and the Holy Spirit begins to pour out uh, his gifts and talents and ability, everybody around you is going to prosper from it. Everybody around you is going to gain from it. They don't even know. They might be irritated by what they're gaining but they don't understand the work of the Spirit that's going on because of the gifts that God is giving you, because of the things that God's doing in your life. Now the light can shine in their darkness, and they don't even understand that it's the beginning, possibly, of their salvation if they would become willing to breathe the same air. And he and the men who were with him ate and drank and stayed all night. So they had a fellowship meal. Then they arose in the morning and said, Send me away to my master. But her brother and her mother said, let the young woman stay with us a few days, at least 10. There's that 10 again. After that, she may go. And he said to them, do not hinder me since the Lord has prospered my way. Send me away so that I may go to my master. Now, hinder means procrastinate or slack or don't, don't procrastinate. Don't delay. Listen, don't delay the work of the Holy Spirit. Don't procrastinate on getting before the Lord into the word, prayer, and fellowship and asking the Holy Spirit what your gifts and talents and your abilities are. Don't procrastinate on being willing to go with God on the journey that He wants to take you. He's already went before you. Don't hinder the work of the Holy Spirit by quenching, grieving, insulting, lying to, resisting. We'll talk about them more next week. What are you doing to hinder the work of God? So what did they say? We will call the young woman, Rebecca, the type of the bride, and ask her personally. It's a personal love relationship. It has to be her answer. Then they called Rebecca and said to her, will you go with this man? And she said, I will go. She's still willing to breathe the same air. So they sent away Rebecca, their sister and her nurse, Abraham's servant and his men. And they blessed Rebecca and said to her, our sister, may you become the mother of thousands of ten thousands. This is prophecy because she does. And may your descendants possess the gates of those who hate them, overcome your enemies, 
rule over your enemies. Then Rebekah and her maids arose and rode on camels and followed the man. So the servant took Rebekah and departed. Listen, 500 miles. It's a long journey. Lots of hills, lots of bumps, riding on a, don or riding on a camel. There's lots of things going on in our walk with God to get to heaven, to get to the kingdom of God. Are you willing to follow? Notice we never hear a word of complaint. We never hear nothing that she said that was bad, the bride. You don't hear nothing. 500 miles. 500 miles. In fact, it says in the personal part, the personal relationship, King James says, out of her mouth. What's coming out of your mouth? This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. That was last week's scripture memory verse, by the way, guys. Let's hear it from her mouth, personally. Sixty-two. Now Isaac, this is the son of the father, came from the way of Beer Leho Roy for he dwelt in the south and Isaac went out to meditate in the field to commune in the evening and he lifted his eyes and looked and there the camels were coming. Holy Spirit's bringing the bride back. It's funny that this beer, Leo Roy, whatever, however you say it in the Hebrew, it's really funny. It's, it's well of the living one who sees me, my seer. It means well of the living one who sees me. But that's not even the real funny part. Listen to me. I know we got to close. This is the well where Hagar went when she was pregnant with Ishmael. Remember when, when Abraham, and I, Abraham and Sarah tried to fulfill the promises of God in the flesh? Listen. And Sarah was being a little mean to Hagar. After she told her husband to sleep with her and let's fulfill God's promises in the flesh, she fled from Sarah, and there the angel of the Lord met her at this well and reasoned with her and told her to go back and submit underneath Sarah. See, God doesn't just take us straight home once we believe. He takes us on a journey, and we have to put the flesh in the grave and be crucified with Christ. And we have to listen and be led by the Holy Spirit, and then we arrive. And that's where he meets them at, at that same place where Hagar was mad at. It's really, it's really strange because it means the well of the living one who sees me, and Ishmael means God will hear. It's pretty, it's pretty strange to me anyway. Can't figure it all out. But that's where the sun meets the bride coming in the evening. And Rebekah lifted her eyes, and when she saw Isaac, she dismounted from her camel, for she had said to the servant, Who is this man walking in the field to meet us? Have you said to the Holy Spirit, Who is this man Jesus? Because he wants to reveal everything about him. The servant said, it is my master, Adon. So she took a veil and covered herself. So she covered her face. And the word covered means to, to plump or fill up the hollows or to overwhelm, to cover, to cover uh, with clothing or in secrecy. I don't know. Overwhelmed. I mean, when you get baptized with the Holy Spirit, it means to be whelmed. 
in the Greek. And the servant told Isaac all the things that had that he had done. So he gives the testimony, the Holy Spirit. So nothing's hidden from his eyes. Then Isaac brought her into his mother's tent and he took Rebekah and she became his wife and consummated the marriage, wedding supper of the lamb, and he loved her. So Isaac was comforted after his mother's death. Listen, do you have a relationship with the Holy Spirit that's pointing to Jesus? The Holy Spirit is washing and cleansing. He's leading us into all truth. We're going to talk about it more next week and the week following to understand the relationship that we have with God Almighty right now. Father's plan sent his son. The son asked the father. The father sends the Holy Spirit back to prepare us as a bride. We've been betrothed to God but, or to Christ, but now we have to be prepared and adorned. In fact, verse 53 there, when he gives them the second and it gives to the other, that's, that could be called uh, uh, the dowry, the dowry money, the, everything that we need to get prepared to be the bride of Christ. Everything we need. Are you using the resources that were given to you to adorn yourself, to become uh, uh, the spotless and clean bride that, that um, Paul talks about to the church in Ephesus when he says, Husbands, love your wife as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of the water through the word, that he might present her to himself a spotless and clean church without wrinkle or any such stain. But then he goes on to say that I talk of a mystery. I'm speaking of the church. Listen to me. The Spirit wants to speak to us. The Spirit wants to teach us and counsel us and guide us and give us power. You cannot live in the flesh and make it. Nothing good dwells in the flesh. And if you walk in the Spirit, you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Amen. Father, thank you for your Spirit that reveals to us the truth of Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection on the cross, that opens our eyes to believe and to trust and to follow. Lord, we believe, but help our unbelief. We're willing, but help our unwillingness. Help us to die to self and to be crucified with Christ and us no longer live. And the life that we now live in the flesh, we should live by faith in the Son of God who loved us and gave himself for us. Lord, thank you. Thank you for such a great salvation. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. The Lord bless you. And that concludes today's message on Who Am I? with Pastor Greg Tyra of Harvest Chapel in Williamsport, Indiana. If you're in the area, we would love to have you as our guest. Harvest Chapel is located at 418 Old State Road 28, Williamsport, Indiana 47993. We meet for worship on Sundays at 10 a.m. Our prayer meetings meet Wednesdays at 6.30 p.m. Our Bible study meets on Friday at 7 p.m. Today's and previous messages are available on CD. If you would like a copy, please call 765-404-7203. We look forward to seeing you again next time on Who Am I? Whom shall I fear? Whom shall I fear?